Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Good morning, church. Good morning. Wow, what a powerful time of prayer and worship. Um, don't worry, we're going to have more time uh, to get into prayer. We're going to worship more towards the end of the service. And if there is something that I will do here today, that is to prepare your heart for the time of communion that we're going to take towards the end of the service. So just be aware of that, that we, we're going to enter the Lord's table at the end. Uh, there's going to be more time to soak in his presence, to lift his name on high and to take time to remind ourselves about what he has done on the cross. Okay, how are we doing today? Good. It's good to see a full house here this morning. We're in February, which means that slowly spring is approaching. Okay, I can hear the birds kind of singing out, uh, outside as I'm going to work. It's a little bit lighter also uh, as I go home from work. So last week, Pastor Matthew spoke about petitionary prayer, which basically means asking God for your own needs. He gave us some good examples about this, and I think it was a really good message. If you missed it, just go into our podcast and listen to it again. It's definitely worth hearing. So right now we are in the middle of our prayer series, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And today I had the honor and privilege to be speaking on the topic of intercession. Okay, so how can we do intercessory prayers? So question, do we have any intercessors in the house today? I think I need to ask that question again. Do we have any intercessors in the house today? Two hands, three hands. Okay, that's good. So uh, maybe for the rest of you, and maybe just like me, I mean, the word intercession can sound a bit almost intimidating. It's something maybe for the, the heartweight uh, Christians, uh, maybe something that you feel like, okay, can I, can I really relate to this? Am I an intercessor? My hope and my prayer is that all of you, each and every one of you, will feel this room today, identifying yourselves as intercessors. Let's be praying together. Thank you, Father. I thank you for the privilege and the honor to come into your house before you're present this morning. I pray that you will use this time to speak to us. Let it not just be my words, but come and breathe your life into, into this session. Come and breathe your life into your word spoken over this congregation. And I pray that you will stir up something within us today, that you will give us hope for a bright future. I pray that you will speak to each and every one of us of how we can be a part of your redemptive mission. How we can play our part in the plan that you have for humanity. Come and anoint my words today. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. 
And amen is not just something that we say towards the end of each prayer. Amen actually means let it be. It is a word of proclamation. Like, I mean, it's a word of like standing out in faith. Let it be. So that is my prayer for you here today. So as I said, like the word intercession can sound a bit intimidating. Maybe because it is a fancy word. Uh, but what does it actually mean then? So one definition it says that intercession is an interposing or pleading on behalf of somebody else. So to simplify, intercession is asking God to step into a specific situation or to meet the needs of another person. That's how simple it is. Stepping in, interceding. And one good example of this that I would like to share with you today is the story uh, of Queen Esther in the Old Testament. Many of you have read the story, but it's definitely worth recapping. So uh, who was this person then? So Queen Esther, she was a young uh, Jewish woman who got married to the Persian king. Her husband... King Xerxes, uh, the great emperor, I mean, one of the, the big guys, the big political leaders of his time, he was unaware of his wife's Jewish heritage. Okay, she, he didn't know who she was. She had a cover name. Esther wasn't her real name. Uh, but she, uh, you know, and therefore also because he doesn't know, he pays little attention to when he's chief commander, Haman, the evil one in the story. When he sets out on a mission, he makes an attempt to obliterate the whole Jewish population in the kingdom. The plan is so evil. Like, I mean, he, he plans it into detail. He sends out an order to the whole kingdom uh, with a date to all the officials, all the military in the land or in the kingdom to basically massacre the whole Jewish population. They put out like posters, you know, like or information. So the Jews know that this is coming. On this day, you are going to cease to exist. What do you think this does to the Jewish people? I mean, they're paralyzed with fear. As would any of you know, okay, something is about to happen. Something is going to come and change your world upside down. So there we have Queen Esther, and she's safe in the castle courts. I mean, nobody even knows who she is. They don't know that she's, that, she's, that she's Jewish. But when she finds out about the news, she is deeply affected. Because it's her people. But what can she do? Okay, she's been put in this position. She's queen. But she doesn't have that much power. I mean, the king is the one who has the authority. And the way that it's set up around this time is that... Uh, as queen, you need to be called into the presence of the king. But you cannot call, come uncalled for, because if you do, uh, you might be killed. So Queen Esther argues. She's like, okay, but I'm not even sure if I can do this. The king hasn't called me in for 30 days. You know, I, I, I can't do this. I can't make this plea to the king, even though I'm queen. But her cousin Mordecai, who also plays a big part in the story, and I encourage all of you to go in and read it. It's a fantastic story. But he challenges her, and he speaks out to her, and he says, okay, cousin, maybe this is the reason why God made you queen. Maybe God has put you in the position as queen for such a time 
as this. And these were the words, the words that Mordecai uh, spoke. They turned out to, to be the truth over her life. That's the reason why she has a book in the Old Testament, right? So Queen Esther, say, you know, she fasts and she prays and all the people around her, they fast and they pray for three days, I believe. And then she puts on her best clothing and she decides to approach the king. And thankfully, as the story goes, she goes into the king, he accepts her, he's happy to see her, and eventually she's able to intercede for her people. She speaks on behalf of her people, and she pleads to the king, save my people. Okay, do not allow these evil plans to take place. And because of this, you know, she was able to save the people around her, the people close to her hearts. And also, yeah, she's been honored throughout history for 2,500 years. Every year, the Jewish people, they celebrate the holiday Purim to, to honor the, the brave Queen Esther and the thing that she did in obedience. You might be sitting here today thinking, okay, but, you know, I'm not in a high political position. How can I make an impact? So how can we, as normal people, intercede for different situations? And since we're in, you know, like a, to the Old Testament now, I think we should read another famous uh, Old Testament passage together. And this is a great example from the Second Chronicles 7, 13 to 14. And this is actually good preparation for me because I'm an RE teacher at school and I'm going to teach Judaism tomorrow. So this is good to get into to the, the good old stories. Okay. So this is about another connection, very important to the Jewish history and also to us. The temple has just been built. Uh, it started with King David and then uh, his son, King Solomon, finished off the work. And finally, it is time to, uh, to, uh, to have the grand opening of the temple. It was a huge success. And also King Solomon, he's praying this amazing prayer to God. And you can read the whole chapter 7 and get the full context. But the same night, God comes and he speaks to King Solomon. And he basically confirms to him. He says, okay, I have accepted your prayer. And I have chosen your temple as a place of worship. And King Solomon, who's also known as the wisest man in history, he is aware of that his people are a sinful people. And he's aware of the consequence of sin. I also love it how Matthew, you kind of praying, you know, earlier this, this sermon. I feel like a lot of the things that I'm going to be preaching on today, you already recap that in your prayers. I really believe that God, God is in that because we, we didn't speak about that before. Uh, but basically, there's a consequence of sin. Things happen, you know, because of the fall, because of what, what Adam and Eve did in the garden. Uh, sin came into the world and we do sinful things, which basically means that we can't be in the presence of God. And therefore, Solomon does, and when he opens the table, temple, he pleads to God to hear their prayers when terrible things happen. And this is the answer then. Uh, if we go to uh, verse 
12, sorry, verse 13 and 14. And God basically confirms to King Solomon saying that I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple for myself as a temple for sacrifices. And then what hopefully is up on the screen here now, it says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. This is the consequence. So when these things happen, but if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Again, go in and read the full context. It's definitely worth reading the whole of Solomon's prayer. But there is power in this promise. Okay, so we cannot get away from the fact that we live in a, in a world where things happen, bad things happen. But it also says here that if we, God's chosen people, and that is all of us because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we are his chosen people. If we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, what does God say? What is the promise here? I'm just waiting for the hands to be raised. Okay, then God has promised to hear. He has promised to hear our prayers. And not only that, but he has promised that he will forgive our sin and he will heal our land. Is our land in need of healing today? It is. So who then is an intercessor? Daniel is. Okay, Sam is. That's good. Why? Because you are called by his name. You are called by his name. And you are filled with the Spirit of God. And to be filled with the Spirit of God is to be filled with intercession. You are an interceder. And then if we ask the who, okay, so who is an intercessor? Then I guess we need to ask ourselves the why as well. So why does God need our prayers? I mean, he's almighty. He's creator of heaven and earth. Why does he want our prayers? And this is the amazing things because he wants us to join in. It's the beauty of it that God has designed this world so that our human will works in partnership with him. The things are not automatic and predetermined. This could be a whole sermon in itself. And don't get me wrong, I mean, God knows everything. He knows what's going to happen because he's outside of time and space. But still, he has designed us to play a part. Our free will to work with God's will or against God. Because we had that choice. Adam and Eve, they chose to go against God's will with the consequences following. God is not going to force you to do certain things. You know that when you walk out of this building, you have a choice to follow God's way or not to. That is the way that God has designed us. But if we choose, as God's chosen people, if we choose to align with God... Our prayers will make a difference. 
You hear me this morning? Good. So in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray. And he says, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But it doesn't mean that we should passively accept things to happen. Because God has designed us with emotions. He's designed us to passionately feel about things. We are allowed to plead to God when things go wrong. That's the way that we are made in his image. So let me tell you a story. So a few years ago when uh, we had a terrible accident in my family. Some of you might remember this because you were part of praying for this. So our youngest son, Eden, he was 10 months old uh, at the time. And the pandemic, you know, that little thing that affected the world a few years ago had just closed down pretty much the whole world. We weren't allowed to have church service in this hall. Uh, and instead, we were streaming the services. That's when you joined in the first time, Sam, right? Online. And we had actually snuck away from Alma. We were at my parents' place up in Stockholm, uh, which was a bit rebellious. And we were sitting there in my parents' lounge. We were watching the search, church service online. Ironically, because that's when it happened. So Eden, he started acting weirdly. And he was gulping, you know, he's like, <clears throat> you know, like we realized that he had swallowed something that he wasn't supposed to. And later on, we realized that he had swallowed like a little, little tiny battery, which can be super dangerous. We didn't know exactly what it was, you know. We found out later that he had like, you know, he was, he was playing with the DVDs underneath the TV. He had found this like little light switch uh, with a loose battery in it. And 10 months old as he was, he just put it in his mouth. So it was an accident. Nobody's fault. It just happened. And instinctively, we knew that we had to act swiftly, as parents do. Okay, we got to make something. We're not just going to allow this to happen. We need to take him to the hospital. So Justin and I, we jumped in the car and we drove to the nearest hospital. And there, because of the pandemic, we were denied access by these guards standing outside of hospital. They were kind of dressed in these big, like, space suits. It was crazy. And the whole situation was just absurd. I never experienced anything like that. So we had to get into the car again. We had to drive to the, to the northern part of Stockholm. And we got into the big pediatric hospital where he was finally allowed in for a scan. Do you remember this, Lavina? Yeah. And uh, at this time, like, you weren't allowed more than one person to get in. So Justin had to wait in the car. I had to get in with my baby. He was sent into surgery. Uh, and it's, it was this crazy situation. I know that many of you were praying. I know that Michael called Justin and prayed with him on the phone. Many of you were engaged, which we are so thankful for. But there I was in the hallways of the hospital. My baby is in surgery. It could be life-threatening uh, situation. And there I was, and it was like a complete ghost town. Sunday afternoon, nobody was there. It was just me in the hallways waiting for my baby. And there, in the hallway of Karolinska, I began to pray. Or to be honest, I wasn't just praying. I was pleading to God as a mother does when her child is unsafe. And I'm going to be honest. I didn't at that time just say, Lord, let your will be done. No. 
I was crying out to God, desperately feeling the emotions as a mother does for her child. Because that is the way that I am designed to do. That is my instinct. That is what I am called to do in that situation. And when I didn't have the words to speak, I turned to scripture. I didn't have my Bible with me, so I used my phone. And I was inspired by Lavina, who was in my connect group at the time. And we had been talking about to memorize scripture. And you had recently been memorizing Psalm 91, remember? So I was there in the hallway, and I was like, I'm going to be just like Lavina. I'm going to memorize scripture. So I started. Den som sitter under den högstes beskydd och vilar under den allsmäktige skugga. Han säger, Herren är min starkhet och min borg, min Gud, som jag förtröstar på. I'll read it in English as well. That whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. That is a promise from God. It's a promise from God. And the scripture, the psalm continues with, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it basically says that surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and the deadly pestilence. It's quite funny, ironic also during the, the, the COVID, the, the pandemic. I will save you from the deadly pestilence. But then the promise comes here that under his wings, I will find refuge. And then at the end of the psalm came the word that I knew this was from God to me in that situation. It ends in verse 16. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And I knew, being there, I didn't know how the surgery had gone. But I knew as soon as I read that, that that was the word for my baby. With long life, I'm going to satisfy him. And you know, when you just know that God is speaking to you. I mean, that was my word. And that is still the word that I proclaim over my son today. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And thankfully, the surgery went well. Praise God. And we naturally had months of checkups following up, you know, like it could, could have been quite dangerous. I mean, it thankfully kind of stopped here in the, in the top, bottom of the throat, but they were able to get it up. And now he's, I mean, completely healed. There is no sign of any injury. And I, I believe that that is due to our prayers because our prayers make a difference. I think that's, that's worthy of clap. So if I still haven't convinced you about intercession or praying for different people or different situations, then let me just tell you this morning that intercession is deeply biblical. Because Abraham, he pleaded with God to save his nephew Lot when the sinful city of Sodom was about to be destroyed. Moses, he climbed up the mountain. You know, Moses, the one who received the law, you know, he climbed up the mountain. He lifted his hand, and as he was praying, the Israelites were winning. But when he couldn't hold his hands up anymore, they were losing ground. 
So he had to keep on. This is in Exodus 17. And he lifted his hands. And he knew that, okay, when I lift my hands, when I pray, they're winning. But I can't keep them up because I'm weak. I'm human. So what happened? What had to happen? They had to help him. He needed people to help him lift his hands. I believe his brother Aaron was part of that as well. People had to hold his hands up. And that is the thing that we can do, church. We can help each other to lift our hands. We're not meant to do this on our own. We're not meant to carry the burdens for our families, for our situations alone. We can help each other lift our hands as we intercede for the healing of our land. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Because we can shape our future through our prayers. There is a consequence of sin. Bad things happen. We can see that in our world today. But the promise is, if my people humble themselves to pray, I will heal the land, says the Lord. And as a matter of fact, God answers the prayers for other people. He does. The great apostle to China, Hudson Taylor, said, We must learn to move man through God by prayer alone. I'll read it again. We must learn to move man through God by prayer alone. So what do we need to do? We need to make ourselves available. So you might be sitting here and you have never seen yourself as an intercessor before. But just like Mordecai said to his cousin Esther, that maybe God has put you in your position. Maybe he's made you queen for such a time as this. I want to speak out over each and every one of you here today that maybe God has put you in your position wherever you are for a reason. In your family, in your work situation, in your school, or in your neighborhood. Because maybe there are people around you who has never ever had anybody praying for them before. Maybe that's why you are called to be where you are. Allow God to awaken your heart for people and for situations around you. So I already told you I work as a high school teacher and have done so for many years in um, inner city schools here in Malmö. And I try, sometimes, you know, it's a bit hard, but I try to let go of work when I come home, which is not always that easy, I admit. But I very rarely contact students on weekends. And even more, I rarely contact parents on weekends. Okay, I'll try to let that stay to Monday to Friday. But there was this one particular situation where a student in my class... I just felt like, okay, something is, not, something is not right. I saw him on a Thursday, didn't see him on a Friday. And you know, like when you just feel something for a person, you start getting a bit worried. And you know, sometimes you try to play it cool, try to think, okay, it's just nothing, I'll see him again on Monday. But on Friday night, the Holy Spirit was just like nudging on my heart. It just, he wouldn't let go. 
So I was like, okay, I have to contact this student's mother. And as I said, this never happens. I never contact parents on a Friday night, okay? But I did, I sent an email and I was just asking, okay, uh, how is your son doing? And I got the response almost immediately, saying that they were in the hospital, there had been a suicide attempt, and he had to stay over the weekend just to kind of clear the system. He's fine, but, but it's quite severe. And we were writing with each other back and forth that weekend. Just a little pause for drama, okay. We were writing with each other back and forth. And uh, over that weekend, I felt the Holy Spirit calling me to pray, pray for this situation. Over this weekend, I was praying for healing, I was praying for hope, and I was praying for restoration. I was praying truth over this young person's life. Where the, the enemy has come to steal and destroy. I was speaking God's truth over this situation. I'm not going to go into any details, but you know when you have that powerful moment, when it's not just me speaking over somebody's life, you know that it's God using your prayers to speak. Has anybody ever experienced that? You just know that, okay, this is, this is, this is for real. And I don't know exactly what happened that weekend. But I do know that the student is still alive. I know that God has his hand over this situation. And I know that this is not the end of the story. I mean, I have to be a little bit careful in my situation as a teacher. Like, I mean, I, you know, I think you understand what I'm talking about. But I know every time I see this student, I see the hand of God over his life. He's not aware of it yet, maybe, but I know that the day is going to come. And I trust that God has put me around these people, the colleagues, the students, for a reason. That I might not be able to speak over them, you know, all the time, but I can pray. I can pray for the chairs laid out in the classrooms. I can pray before a class. I can pray after class. I can speak tr God's truth over this situation. I believe that I have a role to play. Or should I say, I have a role to pray? Pun intended, okay. So how then, how do you begin? If you feel like, okay, I would like to try this thing. The first thing for you is to get informed. Start talking to the people around you, to your colleagues, to your classmates, get to know your neighbors, read up about problems in other countries, get access to the prayer list here at church. You will have loads of prayer requests. Uh, join Francis' prayer ministry. Where are you, Francis? Downstairs. Okay, join his ministry anyway. Sign up for newsletters. Get informed about what is going on around you so that you know what to pray for. There are loads of needs. I don't think we have to look that far. And then once you are informed, what are you going to do? Get inspired. Begin to read God's word. Begin to speak God's truth over a situation. And just like when I prayed for Eden in that hospital, is there a script, like a promise in scripture that you could hold on to? Remember, the Bible is the word of God. He will use his word to speak to you. 
You might have read it with the different chapters or the different things many times, but trust me, God is going to use his word to speak to you. This is our truth. This is our solid foundation. And then once you've done that, you've gotten informed, get inspired. Then the third thing, and this is a challenge, right? Is for us to get indignant. Matthew was mentioning that before as he was praying. It's like, break my heart, God. Break my heart for what breaks yours. As the famous worship song, Hosanna, goes. Don't be afraid to get on your knees in worship. Maybe even today, get on your knees. Lift your hands. Allow yourself to feel. God has created you with emotions. You are allowed to, to, to cry out to him with passion. Because some situations are outrageous. Okay, war and innocent people dying is not the will of God. It is a consequence of the fall. A baby dying is not the will of God. And a young person deeply depressed is not the will of God. You are allowed to cry out to God. You are allowed to plead to God. It doesn't always happen the way that we ask in there. I mean, we have to align with God, trust him that he is in control and that he sees the full picture. But with that said, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray against injustice with passion. Do it. That's the way that you are designed. And then lastly and fourthly, get in sync with others. Because we're not supposed to do this, just like Moses was standing on the hill. We're not supposed to do this alone. Don't get me wrong. It's important to spend time with God alone. You should spend time with God alone. But also, don't be afraid to invite others in to come and share the burden with you. Don't underestimate the power of getting together. And just to go through, like, I mean, you know the scripture already from Matthew 18, verse 19 through 20. But it says, again, truly I tell you that where two of you on earth agree about anything they will ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. That's another promise from God. We're going to enter into communion in a moment. And the band, you can get prepared, come up. We're going to take some time also to, to enter into worship again. Because we are here on Sunday mornings to get reminded about who God is. But I believe that's not the only thing. I think we're also here to be reminded about who we are in him. Because it's very easy to forget. As Matthew said before, I mean, we are a room full of sinners in need of God's grace every single day. Me included. We are not called to intercede for other people around us because we are good, but because God is good. And because he has chosen us. And he has set us free. So when things happen in the world as a result of sin... God, he found a way to conquer sin and death. And he wants us to participate in his redemptive mission. So when things happen, as they will, that is a fact. 
If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. With the music playing in the background, I just want us to take a moment just to close our eyes, to bow our head, to take a moment before our Lord. To allow God to speak to us. Is there somebody in the world, some situation that you should be interceding for? Let's do that. Every eye closed. <laughs> 